We are kicking it back old school on the Double Turn podcast tonight. Not necessarily with matches or eras, but it's the return of three count, triple threat, test the dawn, and a lot of other fun-filled things we used to do on this show. So we're just going to get to it on the next installment of the Double Turn podcast, which starts right now. I look forward to this show because there's a small little gap in between pay-per-views, in between craziness. We're on the road to WrestleMania, and so we figured here on the Double Turn Podcast, we'd kick it back to some to some very fun stuff that we used to do. Watch pro wrestling every show during the week, which we do anyway, and talk about it. What a concept! Because we were covering some older matches with our, of course, TDT's Classic Series. A lot of other things that we've tried during the Insanity, which is almost a year. Yes, it's almost been a year since the Insanity started. But then again, some, some people's Insanities on this show started long before, over a year ago. That being said, if you have chosen to join us on this journey, we thank you. If it's your first time, welcome If you've listened to every episode since the review show of 2018, SummerSlam, good for you. We love you all. I am Boss Ross. He is the J-Man. Man, do we have a lot to cover. We have news. We have some weekly shows, some segments, some promos, some some just really cool stuff. I even have a trivia question for Jorge tonight. I rewatched Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston from WrestleMania 35 and... I have Jorge's punishment if he loses the picks. I thought about it for weeks, and there's really only one thing I can do. Since he's making me get a TikTok and be active on it if I lose, I had to come up with something just as heinous. So before we get started on anything else, J-Man, how are you, sir? I'm I'm doing well, my man. I'm doing well. Just uh, hanging out and watching the sunset from my my office here at, at my house. Last week, I was outside. And although I would have loved to have been outside again, it was just a tad bit cooler than it was last week. And I just wasn't in the mood to have to deal with that. So I'm up here, but I'm doing great. Uh, it's good to see you as always. And uh, I'm very, very excited for this episode of our wonderful podcast this evening. By the way, when he means a tad bit cooler, it's 72. So for those of you that are freezing your asses off, Jorge does not apologize to you. I don't. By the way, you know what? Okay, quick shout out to anybody who lives out in Dallas, because I know that they're freezing their asses off here this evening. Um, Now, please, if you are, if you do live in North Texas, for the love of God, be careful. They got some slippery roads out there. I read about the massive accident that they had, so hope everybody's okay. And just stay safe. If you're listening to the Double Turn Podcast in Dallas, shout out to you. Drive safe. There you go. There it is. We like doing public service announcements, whether you want them or not. We do enjoy doing them. I'm just giving Jorge a tough time. It's I only I only see him once a week, and it's through a video conferencing call. So 
I got to get all my shots in while I can. Plus, I haven't really talked to him this week because, well, my life is insanity. What can I say? So um, I kind of feel like this is going to be an open forum kind of show in a way because we really haven't done this style of show in a while. And so I kind of want to have some fun with it. But I do know that there are some serious things that we need to talk about. And there are some fun things that we need to talk about on this show uh, because, well, we've got another uh, pay-per-view preview and prediction show next week that, uh, well, now the stakes are going to be even higher once I give you your punishment by the time we get there. I will, I will reveal it before the end of this show. I've been keeping Jorge on his toes all week because I told him what it was going to be and I told him I would reveal it on this show. So we will do that. Um, full disclosure. Uh, for our three count, which, yes, we will sing for in just a moment, um, there were a lot of news bits that went into it, and so we were kind of in agreement on it. So basically, um, there was one news bit particularly that even I didn't know about that I'm going to let Jorge talk about. It deals with Braun Strowman, um, and it's kind of big news, and like I said, it's kind of scary, and... It's not even what you think it is. So go ahead and go ahead and tell everybody what's going on with Braun Strowman right now. Yeah, man, Big Bad Braun, whom is who, who just came who, back, by the way, who literally just came back from his kayfabe suspension, but in reality, I believe he was having some bones removed from his elbow or something like that. Braun is such a beast, but you know when you carry around such mass as he does, you know he is same as the big show same as Kane there's a lot of injuries that linger for a man of that size but um essentially from what we have been told by Braun Strowman himself he apparently has dropped 15 pounds over the last five days and he is currently recovering from a blood infection that's that's pretty gnarly Ross I mean it's it's one thing that's some serious stuff, man. And of course, shout out to Braun who's recovering. By the way, TDT wishes him an extremely speedy recovery. Like this is no joke. You know, the, the blood infections, they're not fun. I've never had one. I never really even knew that they existed. And I mean, I've, I've heard of them, of course, but when you think of a blood infection, man, it's, it's just nothing to play with. So um, I hope he takes it easy. I hope he takes some time to recover. I mean, he is incredibly important to what WWE does on a weekly basis on SmackDown, of course. Or excuse me, actually, he's been on Raw as of late. But when he came back the week prior to the Rumble, he did show back up on SmackDown. So I'm kind of trying to even figure out where Ron, where Braun is currently at the moment. But yeah, it, it was reported all over social media earlier this afternoon. I believe he put it on his Instagram stories. So yeah, wishing Big Bad Braun a speedy recovery from a blood infection. It's crazy. 15 pounds. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, Ron Strowman is a 385-pound man. He's like 6'8". Just imagine losing that much energy within a week span for a man that size. That's pretty remarkable. Yes. Yes, indeed. And uh, everything you just said, sentiments, everything, uh, hopefully uh, that gets worked out. Um, I know this is – look – Obviously, health and safety and all that stuff takes priority. I understand that. We're in an era where that has been taking priority anyway. But in general, even without everything that's been going on, um, 
you know, obviously that takes precedence over anything, you know, that's, that's going on within the company. Um, hopefully this does not derail any plans they had for him going into WrestleMania season. Again, I, I know that's secondary, but I have to bring that up because when that happens, it's the same point I bring up all the time. This is why you can't run a company that has seven main eventers. You have to be able, which again, they put the big belt on Braun Strowman. They put the big belt on some other guys and they let them run. Hell, Drew McIntyre became a main eventer this year. It took long enough, but he became a main eventer this year. So when these things happen, you just have, like, for instance, I don't want six guys to go down with injuries or whatever. And again, I know I've turned the corner on this, but I really don't want it to be the point where it's like, well, because Dolph Ziggler and The Miz are available and they're healthy and they've been with us forever and blah, 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 but we really haven't pushed them. Sure, let's put them in, a bit, in the main event because we can't. Like, you see what I mean? Like, it's not that I mind that they're there. I just you want, want organic people. things to happen. Yes, yes. So that's all. I, I, just, I just want progression. That's all. Uh, was there anything else? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm safe to say that, uh, the debut of the black Taurus is not in your three count this week on AEW. No, it's not. Okay. Um, by the way, and we are going to talk Cody Rhodes here in just a second. I did find a very funny meme online because the feud was going to be Cody and Brandy versus Shaquille O'Neal and Jade Cargill. That was the feud they were building, right? So they did everything and like Jade got her actually Jade had her weird debut, which whatever. And then of course Brandy's pregnant now. And then we're going to talk about Cody here in just a second, but yeah, I'm pretty sure those plans are permanently derailed now. <laughs> I think I know which meme you're talking about, so I'm going to go ahead and just say it right now. Shout out to Ultra Heels Wrestling for that meme, because I did see that on their Instagram page earlier okay. today. They're one of our buddies from New York. Yeah, and actually, you know what? While I'm while I'm there, uh, I will just give them a shout out. Uh, I believe they followed me this week. I think they've been following the show for a while. Yep, we're, uh, we're, we're buddies, for sure. Okay, excellent. So uh, shout out to Ultra Heels Wrestling. Um, they do some really good work over there. Um, so I just wanted to give them a quick shout out because, uh, they became my personal follower this week. And like I said, uh, they put together good content, other page, go check them out again, ultra heels with a Z wrestling, go check them out. Just cheap plug for the week. All right. Uh, was there anything else news wise before we get into our first fun segment of the show? Uh, you know what? Congratulations to to Keith Lee and to Mia Yim got engaged literally like four hours ago, or at least they made it public four hours ago. Shout out to them. It's beautiful. I'm all about wedding season all day, every day. You know, makes my heart flutter. No, but in, in all sincerity, I, I love Keith Lee and shout out to them, to him and Mia Yim. That's beautiful. All right. So uh, I hate to do this to you, sir, but our timing is probably going to be off. And because we're doing this over video conferencing, I think I'm just going to sing solo tonight. That's fine. I just, as long as you let me do get in there, baby, I think, cause that's my thing. That is what I do. For those of you that don't know, one of the many segments we did on this show was a thing called three count. Where we talk about the three biggest things going on in the wrestling business. Of course, the joke that we're about to, uh, 
go into, and I realize I have to explain this, but it's been almost a year, so people will be really confused why I'm about to sing here in just a second. Um, there was a group in the year 2000 from World Championship Wrestling called Three Counts. It had uh, Shane Helms, Shannon Moore, and Evan Courageous. Their their gimmick was they were basically like the Backstreet Boys, but they were like Millie Vanilli, and they really couldn't sing. They had an audio track singing for them. So that was their gimmick. They came out with green circles. It was hilarious. The point is, it actually was getting heat in WCW at one point, and I believe in one of the Hardys Lake deletion matches, I think at least two of them showed up, if not all three of them, for a very short cameo. That would make sense, because I think Shannon Moore and the Hardys are, like, super tight. Uh, yes, they are. Or maybe or maybe the three of them did something at an event. It doesn't matter. The point is, uh, three count is what we're about to talk about. So, <clears throat> doing my Jorge impersonation. So, it's just about that time. Have you already forgotten already? I have. <laughs> Everybody's down for the three count. Thank you, Ross. It's literally been 12 months. All right. Everybody's down for the three count. I can't get you out of my heart. I knew we were in trouble right from the start. You should have played it smart. But I can't get you out of my heart. Three count. Get in there, baby. That's right, everybody. That was my rendition of uh, the three count theme song for you right there. It is the three biggest things going on in the wrestling business. According to the J-Man and myself, we do it like the three count in wrestling. One, two, three. Or I always like to do one, two, John Cone, slick back the hair, kick out, and then into three. Sweet baby or, Jesus, I miss John Cone. <laughs> or, or, or you could do the... Uh, nuclear bombs dropped on john cena he still kicks out at two that's always fun too i miss those memes i miss john cena that's that's for damn sure by yeah. the way i also totally forgot to point out pretty sure he said no to doing wrestlemania this year yes i so. uh, i have seen that i've seen it make the rounds it's funny because like do you believe the dirt sheets and then cena trying to go ahead and have us take our eyes off of it or is he actually telling the truth i don't know in the midst of covid it's kind of hard to cross over a border so it's like mm, yes mm, you know that's because for those of you who don't know he's filming i believe a tv show in canada that's why I mentioned that. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tight, you know, it's tight. It's, it's, I, he might be, he might actually not be trolling us. Well, look, here's the thing, right? If you're going to bring back John Cena, which I'm not unopposed to, especially for WrestleMania or rumble or anything like that, because WrestleMania is the entertainment show of the year for WWE. I realize they are world wrestling entertainment, but there are pay-per-views and events I consider wrestling shows and other events I consider entertainment shows. WrestleMania is an entertainment show. Absolutely. So for instance, so for any of you that complain about celebrities being on WrestleMania, get over it. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. There are some celebrities that probably should no be nowhere near WrestleMania, mm -hmm. but it's been part of WrestleMania since the beginning. Correct. So it just kind of comes with the territory. You either like that stuff or you don't, and you just move on with your life. So, um, 
I guess I guess what I'm saying is if there's nothing for John Cena and he doesn't want to be there or his schedule doesn't permit, same with anybody like The Rock or anybody else, if their schedule mm-hmm. doesn't permit if the, or if they don't have anything for them, don't use them. That's all. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, for old time's sake, I'm going to start, especially since I want to piggyback off of something that I know you're going to talk about that I'm going to actually respond to because I believe you have all the details. So I'm kind of cheating and I don't care. Here's my number three. Um, one of the best things going in the world of pro wrestling is happening in all elite wrestling. It is the super group known as the inner circle. They've been around for a while. They've been adding members. However, they have not gotten rid of any members until yesterday, because that's right. Sammy Guevara, the Spanish God has quit the inner circle. The cracks have been forming for some time as there's been heat. Of course, ever since MJF joined the group, that group has kind of been on edge. They had a summit on television. Uh, I want to say within the last month or two saying we're either going to come together or we're going to break up a la NWO black and white style with the heat between Hollywood Hogan and Kevin Nash. And the shield Uh, had a summit too. Yes, they did. Uh, And of course, they ended up staying together for at least a little bit. But now uh, the rift has become even more evident because of the fact that not only has Sammy Guevara not been winning a whole lot of matches, but uh, yeah, MJF has kind of supplanted him in the group. And I think everybody's been waiting for a Sammy Guevara face turn because they think he's going to explode as a baby face, which I absolutely agree um, I figured maybe he and Jericho would turn babyface together and then Jericho would turn on him um, and go back to being a heel. But um, as long as there's a payoff to this, just like with anything else, as long as there's direction, as long as there's a plan, and as long as there's a payoff, I'm sure this will be fine. Because guess what? If the inner circle through all of the great things that they do and all of the faults that they do, this storyline, they've done a pretty good job with, I think. Um, You know, say what you want about people clowning Jericho on, on, on Twitter about his physique or about, you know, the, the show tunes number they did, which was awesome. I don't care what you say. It was awesome. And this group has mainly been hits rather than misses um and so this is a big deal and i i think this will benefit all parties um by no means does do i think this means that the inner circle is just going to start breaking up slowly but surely i mean obviously all groups and all good things must come to an end uh, but if this is the first step i think they chose a pretty good member to leave um because if jericho left Basically, the group would really have to disband or MJF would have to make it his own. And I don't think they want to go that route. Um, and as much as yet. Right, right. And and as much as uh, a lot of you listening and myself like Sammy Guevara as a performer, um, he's kind of been in this faction or in this type of group basically since AEW started. I mean, he's been he's been palling around with a lot of these guys, especially Jericho. Um, so 
it'll probably do him some good and it'll let the inner circle do some different things without him. Um, so I'm excited for it. Uh, and it is my one of my three count for this week. Um, I'm going to piggyback right off of that. I think Sami Zayn or what, what Sammy Guevara, excuse me, too many Sammy's in the wrestling business that are actually big deals. My bad. Um, Sammy Guevara quitting the inner circle is also my one and my three count, man. It's actually a really big deal. Um, it's a big deal for a variety of reasons. It's a big deal because um, Sammy Guevara is, I think, on the verge of taking off. You know, there's a lineup of young talent in all elite wrestling that is on the cusp of superstardom. Sammy Guevara is Sammy Guevara is one of those people. Darby Allen is one of those people. Orange Cassidy has has kind of he's there and he just needs that extra flick. Because I think what he was doing with Jericho over the summer was really, really big for him as a whole. So you take those three people and then uh, obviously MJF and hell, even Jungle Boy from Jurassic Express. Those five dudes are on the cusp of just exploding. And Sammy is right there, the first one in the canon. Now, it'll be really interesting because I agree with you, Ross. I've been a big fan of Sammy Guevara for since he debuted in All Elite Wrestling. I was like, who the hell is this guy? I saw him and I was like, I'm sold. I've been like that for, for literally a year and a half. Um, I hope that – and I have to bring this up, Ross, so please bear, bear with me for one second. It, obviously, he paid his dues. He got suspended by AEW for the Sasha comments from a few months ago. It seems like he's learned his lesson, which is a really, really important thing. I just hope that he continues with his head on straight. And if he continues to do that, then this situation of him breaking away from the inner circle is going to be, it's going to pay massive dividends. This is exactly what Chris Jericho from a non kayfabe standpoint wanted. His point was to make sure that Jake Hager broke out Sammy Guevara broke out and obviously pride and proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz broke out hit that was his main thing as the group non cave and obviously now MJF as well so Sammy is already got starting to get those dominoes falling this is going to be really massive I tell you this right now because I rewatched the segment a couple of different times yesterday where they're a full live crowd, not just the 500 that are inside of Daly's place because of COVID restrictions, where they're a full crowd there last night, boy, howdy, would they have popped massively for Sammy walking out at the end of the match against the acclaimed. It's the acclaimed, correct? I want to make sure that I get the name of the tag team that Jericho and MJF beat last night correctly. I believe it is the acclaimed. Um, so, yeah, they would have been – because the crowd was already – pretty pumped up to go ahead and see Sammy earlier in the, in, in the show. He, you know, punched MJF in the stomach. I don't want to give too much away, of course, because we're going to probably discuss it later on in our next segment, but overall, um, Sammy is benefiting greatly from having teamed up with M with Jericho for such a long time. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting to see him flourish. Um, I also think that it'll be really interesting Ross. And obviously we can discuss this some, some other time, to see how Hager doesn't get lost because you can tell how the group is constructed right now, right? That now Chris and MJF are buddy buddies and you got Santana and Ortiz who are each other's best friends and they got each other's backs because they're the tag team in the group. And it seemed like Hager and Sammy 
came together and they were the tight-knit part of their respective groups. So it'll be really interesting to see how it affects Jericho from a, from a emotional kayfabe standpoint, as well as Jake Hager. I think that's going to be something really interesting to watch. Obviously, you know that MJF doesn't give a damn from a storyline perspective. And that's why there's so many great things about what's going on with the inner circle right now. It's very, very interesting, and I, and I can't wait for more. That brings us to two on our two count, which... Well, there's really no easy way to say this, but Impact Wrestling, man, do they have a big announcement. Man, have they had some really cool stuff going on. I realize that, um, I mean, say what you want about all the AEW talent that's showing up on that show. Um, I think it's doing some really good things for Impact. It's, it's at least drawing some people to watch on Tuesday nights. Um, I don't know long-term what's going to happen, but at least in the short term, it seems to be helping them. Um, I think people that watch impact might already be watching AEW. So I don't know if it's really giving a boost to AEW anyway, but the point is that, um, and I'm actually going to do multiple things here because Jorge told me about this, which he got from, uh, through the table. Who's another friend of the show through a tweet from Alex McCarthy talking about Impact announcing they're going to air a one-hour show called Before the Impact. So not quite the being the elite, not quite some of these other things that different wrestling companies do. Um, I, I, know, I know that Impact used to do a show called Reaction, which was a show they used to do after their television um which was like an hour and they used to do stuff with jeremy borash all the time who now works for wwe um but yeah it's just it, it's just it's just one of those things that um it's gonna air on access tv it's gonna have interviews uh match previews and they're gonna do at least one match a week that's quote-unquote fresh um and they'll do news so it, it sounds like it could have potential um kind of a peek behind the curtain maybe um and some different things that they're doing um i will warn people and i will warn impact this right now okay you can not break news on major story lines on this show. You can't. You cannot make this show more of a priority than your regular television or your pay-per-views. Because as soon as you start doing that, now you start stretching everything you do. Okay? For instance, right? I understand that WWE does a pre-show for every pay-per-view, okay? They do not reveal match stipulations for a world title match during the preview show. If they ever started doing that, I would be pissed, okay? And as much as I will complain about them putting together one to three matches for the pay-per-view on their go-home show before the pay-per-view, at least it's on their television show. So is it very exciting that they're doing more content and it's not another show? Yes. 
Um, but again, Impact, AEW, you need to be careful about overstretching yourself with content. Okay, I'm not saying you have to do one show a week and do nothing else. Okay, this is not 1997. This is not WCW and it's not Nitro. I understand that. But there are times where less is more because WWE just hear content. What we've seen is that kind of affects every one of their products that they do when you just give people everything. So uh, that's all. That's 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 a great point. And but you know to piggyback off of that. Not that I want to want to take your thunder, but at least WWE can get away with it because not only do they have seventy three million subscribers to their YouTube channel, right? Not only do they have, geez, I don't even know over. 60 million followers on Instagram alone. Like they're one of the, not just, they're not just the biggest sports entertainment outlet on the planet. They're also one of the biggest sporting followings in the world period. You know, their social media alone is as big as the National Basketball Association, as big as Major League Baseball, definitely bigger than the National Hockey League. The only thing that is bigger than it it's probably the NFL. So the WWE can get away with these things because of how big they have become. Whereas AEW, even though they are growing at a very rapid rate pace, excuse me, they still don't have that outreach just quite as big as WWE has just yet. And impact is not, even, that's not even a question, right? So, so just to tell you, just to piggyback off of that WWE's Instagram account has 23 million followers. Impact and AEW have less than 750,000 each. Yeah. I, I think AEW finally eclipsed the 1 million mark on Instagram. I think AEW on TNT is probably around 700,000, but you're absolutely right. And by the way, that's WWE alone. WWE on Fox is almost at a million itself. So okay. in reality, 24 million on Instagram. Right. I mean, unreal. Yeah. So they can get away with a lot of these things because they've already gone through those growing pains. And they're also willing to go through more growing pains because of all the other content providers that they can give you. So I agree with you 100%. Uh, it's going to premiere on Access TV on February the 16th, so this upcoming Tuesday. Um, I would like to think of it as, you know, raw talk, but prior to the show. I think it'll be really nice. It'll give it that real sporting feeling. It's always nice when people have a good pre-show that they can break down what you're about to view. But again, Ross, I, you hit the nail right on the head, brother. You cannot give away content and or give away storyline perspectives on this show that's got to be that's got to be left alone for the actual program that it's going to be coming on i agree with you 100 that's a great take man so that is my two count or that's my two and my three count what what is your two my two is um the injury that cody Rhodes sustained last night man um if it's as as big as we think it is that's a major blow for AEW. Now, I'm not saying that they can't ride the wave. They absolutely can, especially when you got when you got guys like Kenny Omega and John Moxley and 
Chris Jericho and MJF and all the people that we've already discussed in just the inner circle alone, but now you've got Lance Archer kind of becoming a big deal all of a sudden. Um, and then, of course, Kenta, which is beast mode there. But Cody Rhodes is one of the cornerstones of all elite wrestling right now. So it's being reported. Now, okay, they interviewed Art Arn Anderson last night, and Arn Anderson's words were and this is not completely quoted, so excuse me if I misinterpret something, but he said that his shoulder was a little bit dinged up. But reports are coming out, and Ross let me know of this because I didn't know, that Cody tore his rotator cuff. And if that is the case, Cody's looking at at least 6 to 12 months out. That is an enormous chunk of time for one of your main eventers. Now, can AEW ride the wave? Yes, they can, Ross, and it doesn't have to do with, oh, it's only Cody Rhodes. No, no, no. Cody Rhodes is a major piece. But unlike WWE, Ross and I will give AEW credit for this, my friend. They have been building more and more main eventers that people actually care about nowadays. Okay? Kenny Omega is obviously was always going to be the gem, the, the crown jewel of their promotion. That was always going to be the case no matter what anybody else said. Right. I understand that we signed Chris Jericho. They signed Cody, but Kenny Omega, the Cody said, I'm building this company with you so we could go ahead and feature you in the United States. That was always going to be the case. And you got Mox and you got all these other people. But Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes made that TNT title into what it has actually become. I went on a diatribe a few months ago, Ross, and you can and you were there with me. I was like, I'm not sure Cody's doing a good enough job with the TNT championship. I am happy to announce that I have been proven wrong. The TNT championship matters a little bit more. Now, Darby Allen still has a lot of work to do with that title. And he, you know, he's doing a good job, but what Cody was doing with it for the summer was a really great thing. And I have to commend him. And so him being out and him helping people get over in the John Cena manner of 2015, where they were in a, you know, you were on TV for 20 minutes with Cody. That was a major effect on a lot of guys, um, a, a positive effect, mind you. And when you don't have a guy of his quality with, in regards to promos, in regards to his in-ring work, in regards to his, I want to be careful with how I say star power, because star power, you know, can sometimes be misconstrued, but in all elite wrestling, Cody is one of their mega stars, Right. And so when you lose something like that, a valuable piece of your team, an MVP candidate, if you will, it's always going to be a pain in the ass. And it's always going to suck a little bit. And Tony Khan's probably going to be a little bit irritated about what happened. It's a freak accident if that was the case. But just as we said about Braun Strowman wishing nothing but the best to Cody, I hope it's a very speedy recovery, Co you know, rotator cuff, those suck. Ross knows he's an athlete. You know, so it, it, it's unfortunate. Do I think that AEW is going to hurt? I, I, again, I don't think so because I think that they have done a really good job adding pieces to the already big pieces that they had when they became, when they began all elite wrestling. So you've got the Bucks, right? Who are the crown jewel of their tag team division. Kenny Omega is now your AEW world champion. By the way, we were talking about the mega stars that are on the cusp in AEW. We for, I forgot to mention hangman adam page so that was my bad so shout out to hangman of course but you've got so many pieces where unlike in wwe you only got these seven main eventers aew might have that amount of main eventers but they're fresh enough 
that people are like, oh, yes, I can get behind this because they've been waiting for these people to get pushed. Does that make sense? Yes. So, yeah, Cody tearing his rotator cuff, big, hoping he gets a speedy recovery. But maybe he can – I mean, the good thing is that he'll still be able to work from backstage, which is very, very cool. And so he'll still be able to have a really big imprint on what happens on the television show on a week-to-week basis, hopefully. So that should be a a very interesting thing to watch. I hope that it's not actually a full-torn rotator cuff, but if it is, a speedy recovery cuff. So, um, actually, hold on, hold on one second. There we go. Um, so, obviously, Dynamite took place last night, and the initial report was that he might have torn his rotator cuff. What I have been told is that it is a slight tear, which means he may be able to wrestle through it. That would be awesome if that's the case. But Um, at the same time, he needs to be careful, of course. Yes. So what I wonder is if he's going to try and wrestle this match that's upcoming within the next couple weeks, and then maybe he takes some time off to just kind of rest and rehab it and see where he is. And not to mention, um, spend time with Brandy, of course. Help her out through her pregnancy. Right. So I think this is one of those instances where they're, I mean, obviously, if it doesn't get better or, like, obviously, if he can't perform, then that's going to be an issue and they're going to have to pivot and they're going to have to make that decision pretty quickly. So, but from everything I am reading across multiple sources, um, they have not made the judgment call that it is fully torn, that he is going to miss four to eight to 12 months. So as of right now, um, he did get injured. Uh, By the way, this is my three of my three count this week is that Cody Rhodes got injured. Um, kind of a big deal, um, but it may not be that big of a deal if he can just rest and rehab it. Because again, there are lots of injuries where, like for instance, I'll, I'll give you an example. Kobe Bryant has very famously played through um, broken toes, broken fingers, um, uh, the the torn Achilles, and there are other injuries where literally doctors have told him this is not going to get any worse but it's also not going to get any better. So literally, and by the way, I just used Kobe Bryant because it's the first thing I thought of um, when it comes to just playing with something that's like really not fixable without surgery, but you can still play on it. Yeah. Um, I, am, I am not saying you can play on a partially torn rotator cuff. I've never had that injury. Um, I mean, I have shoulder injuries, but they're not because of my shoulder. It's because of my neck that I sustained when I was in college. Um, but I've known people that have had rotator cuff injuries um yeah those suck so um and of course it's different for whatever you do you know a rotator cuff injury for a baseball pitcher is a really really serious thing um but didn't didn't john cena tear his rotator cuff um in 2016 uh it's possible yeah i remember he was out for wrestlemania 32 it was a shoulder but i can't remember if it was the rotator cuff or not i'm sorry to interrupt go ahead no, no, it's uh, so so basically what I'm telling you is that uh, 
the torn rotator cuff that they thought was a possibility 24 hours ago or 20 hours ago. Uh, I think they've downgraded it to a slight tear, uh, which means that possibly he can rest and rehab it, uh, which would be awesome. Um, because once you look, once you have surgery on anything, like you're, you're technically never the same because you're like, yes, you can rest and rehab and train and do all this stuff. But I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be different. Um, so that is my three of my three count this week is Cody Rhodes's injury. Yeah, man. Well, my three, and I'll keep it short because I know that, you know, we've had such a good time talking three count, but we've got other things to get to. But my three of my three count this week is um, it's all together. Vengeance Day, obviously, coming up, NXT TakeOver on Sunday. That's going to be a, a major takeover for them, of course. And then, you know, the, the card for Elimination Chamber already taking massive uh, shape, you know. For those of you who don't know, we just had the Elimination Chamber match announced for the WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre is going to be defending against um, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Sheamus. Um, there's a couple of other people, excuse me, as I forget because I'm an idiot. Um, uh, isn't Orton in the match? Randy Orton, thank you. And there was one more person that for whatever reason I cannot remember for the life of me. Did you say but Jeff Hardy? I did say Jeff Hardy. Here we go. Miz, Sheamus, Orton, uh, Styles, and Jeff Hardy, all in the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship. And then on top of that, we've got the Raw Women's title being defended. Oscar's going to be defending against Lacey Evans. Not exactly 100% sure how I feel about that, but that's fine. And then the other match that's also taking place, which I'm actually really excited for, Ross, and from all accounts, I'm seeing that a lot of people are also excited about this match. The triple threat match for the United States Championship. Bobby Lashley defending against Riddle and Keith Lee. I'm sorry, man, but that match, I'm genuinely excited for for a multitude of reasons. One, Keith Lee has obviously been really, really stepping it up as of late. Since going all the way back to last year, obviously, he won the NXT Championship. He won the NXT North American Championship. He's been a beast. He's been a just a, a legit force in NXT, and now that he's gotten promoted to the main roster. Matt Riddle, for all the crap that I've given Matt Riddle, I will go ahead and give him this. He has proven me wrong as of late. He clearly, you know, did some stuff backstage that got him in favor once more, which is 100% okay with me as long as you're doing the right things. I've never questioned his performance in the ring. Um, I just, his persona sometimes rubs me the wrong way with all the smack talking that it does to Goldberg and to Brock Lesnar and to a lot of these other guys. Um, and then the main, the PA, the resistance, if you will, the fact that Lashley has been killing it in just being untouchable for the last six months. Right. And so it's nice to see, obviously, you know, you and I talked so highly of Bobby Lashley last week on our review show of the Royal Rumble, because even though he was in the Rumble for a very short period of time, he definitely, definitely showed up and showed out along with Biggie Langston. Right. And so it's really, really great to see that Lashley is getting a lot of love backstage. And I hope that that is something that continues. And I hope that he gets a major WrestleMania match this year. Last year, he, I think he had a match against Aleister Black. And the year before that, he was in an IC title match against Finn Balor. No disrespect to Finn Balor, because obviously he's doing a lot better things these days. But that IC title match was it was in the dead spot at WrestleMania 35, right before Becky and Ronda and Charlotte went on. So 
to see Bobby Lashley come up to this point in 2021 brings genuine joy to me, genuine joy to me, excuse me. So I'm really very much looking forward to that triple threat. And again, we still got two more weeks to go. We got SmackDown coming up tomorrow, which is Friday when this episode drops. So obviously the Elimination Chamber card will go ahead and take even more shape. Uh, we'll go ahead and find out potentially what they're going to do with the Universal title and Roman Reigns at, at Elimination Chamber. But I'm just genuinely excited. Um, it's the road to WrestleMania. They're already starting to go ahead and put things in motions. You already start to go ahead and get pumped up, amped up, ready to go. And uh, EC is just another thing that's happening around us. And again, take over Vengeance Day. I mean, if you're not excited about Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne, then you're not a wrestling fan because those two are going to kill it. If you thought if you thought Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly was special, and by the way, it was. Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne is going to be ridiculous. I mean, Pete Dunne is one of Ross's boss Ross's guys. That's one of his guys. It's been one of his guys for like two years now. And by the way, Io Shirai versus Tony Storm versus Mercedes Martinez probably going to be really strong. And then you've got the finals for the uh, Dusty Rhodes Classic for both the men and the women. You've got. Um, MSK versus the Grizzled Young Veterans on the men's side. And on the women's side, you got Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus uh, Dakota Kai and uh, Raquel, uh, Raquel Gonzalez. So it's going to be some epic stuff from WWE uh, at TakeOver. I'm really very much looking forward to it. So that's my three count. Uh, so before we move on, I just wanted to uh, mention this small little thing, just a very quick discussion, which is I have a very bad feeling they're going to have Randy Orton win the Elimination Chamber. Because I'm so? telling, really? no, no, because here's the thing, okay? They they did this to themselves, okay? They they did. Edge won the Rumble. Look, I know it's a fun moment. It's a cool moment. Does it really make sense for him to face anybody except Randy Orton for the title? That's no. Which, by the way, right? Edge winning the Royal Rumble means Drew McIntyre is going to lose his championship. Because Edge won the Rumble. Now, again, I am not saying Edge winning the Rumble was the worst decision. It's not the decision I would have made. But it's the... De- so, I just... I just to me, Edge facing any of the champions they have right now doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. sense. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Ross? Sure. Because you you because you you picked Brock, right? You infamously picked Brock, and I'm not saying it you know in a way to make fun of you, but you did. You picked Brock Lesnar, and I can appreciate where you were coming from from a storyline perspective. Mm-hmm. Had you not picked Brock Lesnar, who to you would have made the most sense winning the Royal Rumble this year? Would you were you on the Daniel Bryan train, or would you have gone Big E? Neither. Really? Okay. Neither. Okay. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very, very honest with you. Given the field that we got, I probably just would have picked Orton. See, the thing about that is, then why the hell did he only have the title for two weeks in October? Right, exactly. Like might exactly. as well have not had Drew beat him again and by the way i'm fully for drew having beaten him again not saying that i didn't like randy orton i mean randy orton was one of the mvps of 2020 ladies and gentlemen Mm -hmm. 
He was an important piece in the cog, not just the WWE, just the pro wrestling as a whole. Randy Orton was killer in 2020. And by the way, Randy Orton was also killer in 2019, mind you. Plus, plus they could also do, I mean, look, he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he wins that Rumble. He joins the likes of uh, Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold as the only guys to win it three times. Shawn Michaels has never won the Royal Rumble three times, so it would be just him and Stone Cold, which is even crazier. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Shawn Michaels is the only man, according to WWE, to have won from the number one spot. So that's probably why you got confused, because not only has he made history by winning twice. Oh, yeah. By the way, by the way, I, I, I really hate that. Yes. So I misspoke. I apologize. I, I do that frequently on this show. Um, I really hate the storyline of they lasted from the f- number one or number two spot. It's tired. I'm tired of it. Like, I was just excited when the women's match, the number three won. Like, yeah, three is such a made fun of and forgotten number in the Royal Rumble. It's just, I don't know. No, I hear so, you. But so that's that's uh, so yeah, just 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 food for thought. Just, yeah, it'll be really uh, interesting to have to see how it, the buildup goes along for the next two weeks towards Elimination Chamber. I I would be surprised if they went Randy Orton. But you're right, dude, because I'm I'm really trying to figure it out. I'm like, what would make sense for Edge? But, because when you think of Finn Balor, that doesn't make sense for Edge. It makes sense for Finn Balor. But you're not – you shouldn't well, be using okay, Edge okay, to – okay, you know? Okay, okay, but here's the thing, though, right? So they could basically do the same storyline with Edge that they did with Charlotte. Right. Which is Edge has done everything except win the NXT title. True, but here's the thing, and no disrespect to Charlotte, and people should know that listen to this podcast. I'm a big Charlotte fan, so don't mm-hmm. give me heat for this, but mm-hmm. Charlotte's not Edge yet. She's just not. Okay, but here's the thing, though. Edge is how old? 47, or okay. going to be 40. That's, that's, I know, that's pretty incredible. Okay, so now I understand what the argument's going to be. Well, it's pro wrestling, Ross. Anything can happen. You're right. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. Um, do I want 47-year-old Edge beating Drew McIntyre? No. No. Do I want 47-year-old Edge beating Roman Reigns? Hell no. No. Do I do I would I accept Edge beating Finn Balor and having that cool moment and him going to NXT and putting somebody else over in NXT as well? Okay. But realistically, the only thing that makes sense at all is for him to get ultimate ultimate retribution over Randy Orton and say, oh, so I beat you in this match, but then you got me back. And I tore my tricep. And I tore my tricep. Then I came back. You almost screwed me out of the Royal Rumble win. But then you got the title. And then I took that from you. Right. So, I don't know. It almost, it almost seems like a babyface storyline for Randy Orton, to be honest with you. In a way. You know, as, there are... That's well, as stupid as that sound. Now, now, what's funny is that if Edge was 37 instead of 47, I would tell you that this would be a babyface run only for him to turn heel again. But... I just don't see that happening. Of course. Because 
it's just no it just it just doesn't fit this story so anyway that that was just a quick throw of thoughts no i appreciate that the only thing that i'll go ahead and let you know is if wwe is looking at edge to potentially be an nxt for not only just you know oh i've never won the nxt title my wife works there i've been seeing this for like the last five years but also for a needle mover in the ratings as much as i think it should be a needle mover in the ratings two weeks ago or a week ago proved that it wasn't because NXT still got smoked. You know, they brought in Kenta and all of a sudden they beat him by like 150,000 viewers. So uh, I just, as, and it's not an edge problem. This has now become an AEW is viewed on a bigger scale than NXT is. I, you know, that an edge and, or Becky Lynch being back on NXT or Charlotte Flair, or you bring in hell, Randy Orton to feud with Tommaso Ciampa, anything like that. I don't think it's going to move the needle as much anymore because AEW has essentially taken its flag, implemented on Tuesday, on Wednesdays, excuse me, and NXT just has to basically stick up their rear end and take the ass kicking. That's really what they have to do right now. It's really frustrating me for, for having to say that, but it's reality. It is absolute reality. We went on a diatribe there, and I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, but it is something that needs to be said. But let it be known right now, I'm still very much looking forward to what's going to happen on the road to WrestleMania, and I'm very much looking forward to who Edge challenges, really. I really am looking forward to that. I hope they do something cool. I know they will. Edge wouldn't come back for nothing. So I'm looking forward to it. It is triple threat time. That's right, everybody. The match the segment, and the show of the week. And yes, the shows that we talk about are SmackDown, Raw, Impact, Dynamite, and NXT. Now, mind you, the segment at one point also included 205 Live when that was a thing. I routinely put that show over. Now it's buried on Fridays disgusted it's literally it's literally back to being as irrelevant as it was before all the great stuff that was going on with buddy murphy and tony niece and, and mustafa, mustafa ali and well no no he was mustafa ali now he's just mustafa because apparently that makes him a heel don't get me started on retribution okay there was another meme of retribute. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure it's Ultra Hills Wrestling. So shout out to them again of of retribution and those godforsaken masks that the dancers for the weekend Super Bowl halftime show. I don't know which is worse. I don't know which was worse. Okay, can I ask you a question? Did you or did you not appreciate that story that I put of Tom Brady yesterday about us being on our Tom Tom Brady vibe for tonight's show? I know you did. Don't be a liar. Uh, I hate Tom Brady. I hate everything he stands for. I don't care if other people call him the GOAT. He cheats. I don't care. Oh, my God. Uh, get, out. get out of here. He's the GOAT. Get, I don't even watch football anymore, and he's still the GOAT. Uh, he 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 casually tossed the Lombardi Trophy over a body of water. like a, What a like, G! Uh, Who does that? And he no. was trapped. By the way, he was, he was drunk as hell yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know who does that? A pompous person does that. Anyway, I'm over it. Can can you just retire and just let us all be better people with you not playing football? You know, I was waiting for the day. No, you know what? You know what? 
I'm not going here. I could talk about, nope, not going to do it. It'll just derail the show. I don't care. Guess what? I'm going first in triple threat. I don't care. That's fine. Just as long as you don't say what you said about Mike Tomlin. Yes. Well, that still rings true. (laughs) We will not air that on this show. (laughs) That being said, my match of the week is not even close. And by the way, I don't care that this goes against what I normally like in matches. Don't care. Okay. I know the finish of the match was a schmoz and was technically a DQ. I don't care. The best match. Okay. Let's put it this way. I was very, very close to saying my match of the week was Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. I was close to picking that as my match of the week. However, I'm sorry. The match of the week is without a doubt Kenny Omega and Kenta versus John Moxley and and, uh, and Archer. It has to be. Kenta wrestling again where he's actually taken seriously and until the DQ schmoz finish, which by the way, made sense for the storyline anyway. Um, you wanted 20 minutes of action that didn't have a finish that I'm actually going to applaud. Loved it. There was, there was just brutal physicality. We got to see Kenta again. Like everybody remembers Kenta Kenny Omega is a shining star on this show. Um, you know, Moxley's Moxley. I I think I think everybody's decided that this is who Moxley is, for better or for worse. And by the way, there are things that he does that are great that he was shackled by in WWE. And then there are other things that he do that I realized that WWE didn't let him do for a good reason. And then, you know, Lance Archer is a guy that exists in that company right now, which is unfortunate. Um, But then again, a lot of guys in that company exist. Um, But look, if you would look, if you just wanted to see a physical wrestling match, if you wanted to see technical excellence, if you wanted to see just four guys beating the hell out of each other, you got it all in this match. And I don't know how you can complain. Look, it's television, okay? I want the good matches to happen on pay-per-view. Now, Will Ross, one of your favorite matches was uh, John Cena and Shawn Michaels from the Raw in London. Yes, that was special. That was okay? special. Okay. First of all, that probably wouldn't go on pay-per-view because they don't it do the 45 minutes. Yes. So there are exceptions. I'm fine with there being great over-the-top pay-per-view quality matches on television, okay? I'm also a big fan of stuff that advances storylines. I'm also a fan of combining the two, which is what this was. So, Kenta and Omega. Yes, Kenta. Remember that guy? What was his name in WWE that everybody hated? Hideo Itami. God, what an awful name. Kenta and Kenny Omega. Versus John Moxley and Lance Archer. That, oh, sorry, from AEW is my match of the week. Okay, so real quick before I get into my match of the week, there was a couple of matches that I think still deserve some praise. Daniel Bryan Cesaro, you just mentioned it, absolutely great. Another match that happened on Monday Night Raw, I have to go ahead and applaud. Um, Keith Lee versus Riddle. 
was uh, also a very strong match. Um, Keith Lee beat him with the uh, his his spirit bomb is stellar. It, it really is. Um, if you like the pop up power bomb from Kevin Owens, just seeing Keith Lee do it, where he just grabs somebody and then does the sit down power bomb, it's tremendous. Um, and then also. Um, Thatcher and Ciampa versus um, the Grizzled Young Veterans on NXT in the semifinal last uh, last night was also very strong. But Rossi Poo, I got I'm I'm rolling with you, brother. Match of the week was absolutely Omega and Kenta versus Mox and Archer. Now the only thing is, and I, I, forgive me if I'm confused, Ross, because I watched it and I I thought that they won like actually be a pinfall. Didn't Omega drop him with one winged? Didn't Omega drop Archer with one wing and Angel to end the match. It wasn't via DQ, was it? Because it was a false count anywhere. So as per usual, your correction stands firm. They did have a pin, but there was a schmoz, and I just yes, assumed it was. was a DQ. So I really don't care. The point it is, it great. was a great match. So Yes, it was. So that is my match of the week. I'm rolling, And I didn't mean to go ahead and uh, correct you on that. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't confused because I watched it, and I was like, did I no, miss something? No, it's okay. Some people actually like it when you correct me. It shows that I've got humility on this show, so that's okay. Huh. okay. I am wrong occasionally. You are. You are, but I'm here to not make fun of you, to assist you when I can. But no, I no. Love that. It's, it's totally yeah. fine. So. Yeah. Um, that, the match was great. Kenta, Kenta, what a beast, man. You know, when he came over to NXT, I had expectations of him in the same way that I had expectations of Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't watch a lot of Japanese wrestling, right? So when people are going ahead and hyping these guys coming over from Japan, I have certain expectations. And Hideo Itami, for all that needs to be said, unfortunately got injured a, a, a lot of times in WWE, unfortunately, to the point where he never became NXT champion. He never became the, the main eventer that people expected him to be in NXT. Um, and it sucked. It sucked. And not only that, then he went over to 205 Live and got relegated over there and until he went ahead and ran up his contract and he said, I'm out peace to see him get taken so seriously once more. Now that he's back with NJPW and now they're doing this small little partnership with all elite just shows you, Oh man, not only is this guy as good as people claimed he was. Um, listen, I, I am an advocate for CM Punk all day, but Kenta's go to sleep is just killer. It, it just is. It's great. And I love it. Um, and you just said it, man. He, it, Kenny Omega is a shining star in AEW. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world that shouldn't be up for debate. I will disagree with you with the with the Lance Archer take, Ross. I saw Lance Archer last night, or I should say today because I watched the replay. Um, I, I was really impressed with his work rate last night. Mox, Mox, man, I don't know what to think of Mox right now. I feel like Mox is back to just floating. You know what I'm saying? There's something about Mox – He's just not firing on all the cylinders that I would like for him to be firing on. He doesn't seem as impassioned as of late. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's just tired because Renee's pregnant and he's just having to do a lot and whatnot. Um, yeah, by the way, shout out to Renee Young. She was on the Royal Rumble uh, preview, uh, on the Royal Rumble pre-show and on backstage last Saturday. It was great to see her. She looks fantastic with her baby mom. But I don't know what it is about Mox. And – I feel like he's almost, and I need to be careful when I say this, but I feel like he's going and reverting back to some of the things that he used to do in WWE that kind of got people turned off on him. 
does it does that make sense or am i the only one that views that way no no actually that's you, you just piggybacked off of what i just said which is this is this is john moxley there are things that he's allowed to do in aew that he was not allowed to do in wwe that is that are good things right and then there are other things that he is doing in aew that clearly wwe did not want him to do because it it makes him feel smaller as a character than he is right again again Say what you want about that promo he cut, okay? On its face, I understand that that is a type of promo that was kind of watered down in WWE. There's a reason why they watered it down, because there are times where he kind of just floats out there and kind of doesn't do himself a lot of favors with his promo work. So yeah. I'm going to uh, I'm going to move on to our segment of the week. But before I do that, I actually forgot to mention this. Um, everybody remembers Leo Rush and how he was in WWE or he was back in WWE and then he left again. Uh, he's been wrestling for MLW for a while. I believe he's league wrestling. Yeah, I believe he was their MLW like cruiserweight champion or something. Anyway, um, he beat the Laredo Kid in AAA, so he is now the first interpromotional uh, champion in MLW history. As, Shout out to him, dude! Uh, as uh, he's the MLW and AAA cruiserweight champion, I think there's going to be a rematch to possibly unify the titles. Listen, Leo Rush, such a talent. Like, unreal to how talented that dude is. Um, to me, WWE made a major mistake in going ahead and having him be one of the cuts last spring, um, especially since he came back, and then he came back so awesomely, and he became their NXT Cruiserweight champion. And he's just a tremendous wrestler. Um, obviously, he doesn't need WWE right now. He's going to a lot of different places and shining over there. Yeah. But damn it, man, it pisses me off that WWE just let him go under the radar and be like, all right, we're going to release you a second time in a year. That's stu- like, how stupid could you be? Yeah. By the way, shout out to uh, Side Note Suplex underscore another uh, great Instagram channel uh, for news and uh, for video clips and stuff like that. Uh, that is actually where I got the information about Leo Rush. So again, Side Note Suplex underscore. Uh, check them out. That's a shout out for them for that news bit that I just picked up. So, uh, segment of the week. Uh, I don't think there's much of a debate, and I'm kind of cheating because it's multiple segments. Anything the inner circle was involved in this week was great. The little promo that uh, MJF and Sammy Guevara did, where Sammy Guevara walks in and everybody slowly walks out, and then they have their little talk, and then there was the match and then there was the promo afterwards and basically i'm i'm focused on the promo aspect of it not necessarily the match but the match is kind of included in it because it was fallout into the promo um and then of course Sammy Guevara leaving uh it's a big deal and um more to come so we've we've talked several times about the biggest differences between NXT and AEW and stuff that uh, NXT probably needs to do a better job of. Not saying they're completely lacking in it, um, but AEW has been telling some pretty good storylines. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things that get lost in the shuffle, but the storylines they do pay a lot of attention to, they do a really good job with. Um, so I'm going to give them praise. So pretty much anything involving the inner circle 
is my uh, segment of the week this week also happening from AEW. I couldn't agree with you more. The segment of the week is absolutely Sammy Quinn in the inner circle because of the massive storyline that's behind it, because of obviously the amount of time that they're putting into it, because of everybody involved, MJF, obviously Sammy, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's promo at the end of that where he was – his facial expressions. It's the details, Ross. It's the damn details from a guy who's been in the game for 30 freaking years who knows exactly what he's doing. You can body shame him all he wants. He's still one of the best promos of all time. It's unbelievable. Um, so, you know, his facial expressions like hit the sadness that he was showing that Sammy left because he, he doesn't want to be a part of it because of MJF and nobody's listening to him. And then you see Hager being like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on? My buddy is leaving. And then Santana and Ortiz, who – you know, those guys are tight too, you know, all of that. And then you got Warlow in the background, just kind of standing there. He's, he's just biding his time with MJF. He's just biding his time. Cause he's, he knows MJF is coming for Jericho. That's he knows that is the end game, you know, and, and, his, and this whole intertwining of the storylines, you know, Sammy sees through the fakeness of MJF. Chris doesn't, it's just great stuff. All in all, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm really enjoying it. I'm telling you right now, MJF versus Sammy is going to be a stellar match. I can't wait for that. It's going to be a banger. Yeah, AEW, Dynamite, Sammy quitting the inner circle, absolutely second of the week. So I don't want to. I don't want to speak for my co-host, but I think, given the fact that the match and the segment were both on this show. I don't see how AEW Dynamite is not the show of the week. It's mine. It's not mine. Oh, you're full <laughs> of crap. Okay, hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. I can't wait for this answer. You had yeah. the match and the segment of the week on one show, and you're picking something else. Go ahead. Yeah, you know what? Listen, I love I loved everything that they did on Dynamite this week, but I think that NXT show. No, uh, I'm done. I'm done. What? Oh, come on, don't be like that, Ross. Oh man. <laughs> they sell they listen, they showed a sense of urgency with their build-up towards Vengeance Day. Obviously, they went, you're not even listening to what I have to say, so I have no idea how you're gonna be able to hear what I what I've done, but whatever. There's sense of urgency for Vengeance Day, their build-up, especially with the Dusty Rhodes tag team classics on both the women's and men's side. Kushida versus Johnny Gargano, they're putting a lot of effort into that. It's really very much appreciated. And even though there wasn't a lot of talk about Balor versus Dunn towards the end of the night, which I, I think is a travesty considering that that is your main event, I think the overall two hours worth of quality shown on NXT as a bundle was a little bit stronger than what AEW showed, even though the two main portions of what we discussed tonight were so strong, I think NXT had a more complete show on Wednesday night. That's my thoughts. I understand where you're coming from with Dyna on Dynamite, and I respect it. I'm not saying Dynamite had a bad show. I just think that the overall quality of NXT together um, was just a little bit stronger this week. That's all. He literally picked a match and a segment from a show and then picked a show that was on a go-home episode for a pay-per-view as his show of the week. <sighs> okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, That's... man. It's me. What else do you expect? At least I, I didn't I, go I don't... SmackDown route and be like, well, the SmackDown apologist 
<laughs> I don't even I don't even know what to say to you right now. Hey, I had really good points that you chose not to listen to. That's on you, buddy. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I, I really I really didn't need to I'm good. Um so that is our triple threat this week. Um as uh those are two stables for you, three count and triple threat. Here's another stable for you. Staple, not stable. I'm not starting Evolution 2.0 yet. Although we should. <laughs> um, so my original question for you for Test the Don, which is what's coming up next. Um, my original question for you, I had to change. So... I have to slightly alter my question here. So give me one second because I have to make sure I'm not giving you a false question. So let's see here. No, you know what? I'm confident with it. I'm confident. All right. So here is your question. And if you get the first part right, I will give you a second part to see if you know that answer as well. All right, fair enough. Now, for this segment, because this is how I operate, because this is what we do, the point of this exercise is because uh, Jorge has a much better memory than I do about these things. I'm going to give him a question. I'm going to give him a certain amount of time to answer the question. Let's see if he gets it right. It's pretty much the gist of it. So, because it is because we are on the precipice of Elimination Chamber, I want you to tell me who has the most eliminations at the Elimination Chamber match. Okay. You have, you have 30 seconds. The most eliminations, not the most wins in the Elimination Chamber. Correct. I'm talking just straight eliminations. Okay. Let me think of this for a second. It, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Goldberg because he's only competed in one elimination chamber, although he had like three. So I think collectively, boy, it's got to be between Triple H, Undertaker, and John Cena, I feel. Ten seconds. Perhaps. Uh, Taker. I'm going to go Taker. I'm going to go Taker. That's probably wrong, though. That is incorrect. Dang it. Okay. Is it Triple H? It is not Triple H. Really? It is not. Really? Who is it? And, it? and it is not John Cena either. Jeez. What, I'd be shocked if it was. It's not Batista. I know for a fact it's not Batista. It is Le Champion, Chris Jericho. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. Well, actually, hold on for one second. How many, how many Elimination Chamber matches has he been in? Eight. Yeah, that makes sense. Where Triple H has also probably been around that mark, but Triple H was usually the last person out in a lot of those, so he didn't have that many as many eliminations, perhaps. So Jericho has 10 in eight matches. Okay. And Triple H has seven in six. Oof, that was close. So that was close. There you okay. Go. There man, you that's go. unfortunate. What was, may I ask what the second part of the question was? So 
The second part, if you got Jericho, was who had the second most, which would have been Triple H. Mm. And then uh, the third part, to really get it down, is how many people have pitched shutouts? Have pitched shutouts in the sense of, what, never lost inside the Elimination Chamber? No, they had they had every single elimination. Oh, well, Shayna Baszler is one. Yes. Is there somebody on the men's that has done it as well? That's the question. Give me one second. Um, did Braun Strowman... Braun Strowman almost pitched a shutout. Braun Strowman almost pitched a shutout and got eliminated last by Roman Reigns back in 2018, I think. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So the answer is one, Shayna Baszler. Correct. That is killer. Damn it, man. I'm so, I'm so upset because I literally rang off Cena and Triple H and Taker, and I had Triple H right there, and I should have remembered... Jericho, that's a frustrating one. Dag Nabbit, no, good, good, good shout, brother. Good shout. You, you stumped me tonight. Well done. That is our test the Don segment brought to you by nothing. <laughs> 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 because when you want something sponsored, it's not going to happen. Yes. Uh, so, by the way, uh, shout out to us 1300 listens since our very first episodes. That means that we're averaging like seven seven people an episode, thanks to the seven of you, of course. But damn it, come on, let's get those numbers up, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we do have we do have a little bit of time. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not trying to rush through this, but um, there are only a couple other things we have to talk about in the show. So I'm going to preview something that i said i was also going to do uh after after i talk very briefly and then go into this match um i was challenged by my co-host because we had been doing these tdt's classic series where i pick three matches and it's supposed to be jorge taking a different look on these matches and seeing if he thinks any differently and then during jorge's week which we actually switched um, that was the Brody Lee tribute show. Mm-hmm. So he really technically didn't get to do the exercise I wanted him to do. By the way, shout out um, to Brody Lee. May he still rest in peace, obviously. So um, there are a couple of things that needed to happen on the show. Um, one is that I said I was going to compare the three five-star matches that I've ever seen. Um, that being Michael's Undertaker uh, at 25, the Money in the Bank match between Cena and CM Punk, and then the WrestleMania 20 triple threat main event between Michael's Triple H and Benoit, and rank those three matches because those are the three I consider the absolute five-star matches that I can think of off the top of my head. So that means I had to rewatch the Money in the Bank 2011 match, and then compare it to the other two matches. I promised that like months ago, and I think I might have just forgotten to do it or we got caught up doing a bunch of other things. So it is my goal to do that at some point. I just figured I'd bring that up again. The reason I bring that up is because I was challenged to rewatch a match that, I'll be honest, I had no interest in seeing when it first showed up. Um, I, I still look back at that time period and think of missed opportunities. However, I was going to be a fair man and I was going to rewatch the WrestleMania 35 match 
between Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston for the WWE title. And so I did. I did today, earlier today, actually. I rewatched it. By the way, I did too. Uh, so MetLife Stadium in uh, Jersey is where this uh, WrestleMania took place. I believe the event was 18 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was on one day. Yeah. So I feel, uh, in I, reality, you know what, Ross? Was it longer than last year's show, which was split into two? Yeah, but I see, would not be thing. surprised. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. It's not going to matter because WrestleMania is now split into two days, and I think they're going to make that a thing going forward. Which they absolutely should. I think so, too. It'll help them balance each day, that's for sure. Um, so it was Kofi Kingston versus the Planets champion, the new Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. So, of course, Kofi Kingston was, uh, by the way, this is WrestleMania 35. I know Russell, I know WWE hates putting numbers because apparently it makes them feel old. No, we just like having numbers to tell which one is which. Yeah, it, it just makes it feel old. more symbolic. I mean, the NFL still has a number after the Super Bowl, so I don't get what the difference is. Uh, it's because Vince hates old things, even though he's old and he puts over people well into their 40s. Anyway, talking to you, Bill is, Goldberg. <laughs> Bill Goldberg. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, look, Cena's not young, Brock's not young, AJ's not young. By the way, AJ young. We're looking at you with Sting. Come on. Okay, Sting's not their world champion. Shocking. Yes. Shocking. <laughs> well, okay, look, the guy's I think I think the guy's 60. He is I don't 60. think 60. I don't I don't think he can work. Um can we, Tell that can to we them. Not? They're the ones that are going to put him in a tag team match against Brian freaking Cage. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure Darby Allen's going to get killed in that match. But anyway. <laughs> Dar- Darby Allen, he's still alive. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, okay, no. Here, here you go. Here you go. Trivia question. Which one's the worst move? Kofi Kingston's I'm going to fall onto my opponents or Darby Allen's coffin drop where he deadweights his opponents? Uh. Darby's because the boom drop is a little bit more believable. Because no, it's not the boom drop. drop. I'm talking about the move where he literally climbs to the top and then just falls back. Oh, first. Then still, still Darby, because at least Kofi's a bigger dude. So it's more mass falling on people. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's a trash move either way. It's they trash. both suck. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, figured I'd get that in there. A nice little, eh, nice little knife. At, hey, at least Kofi's got trouble in paradise. So just, Shut up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a great move. It's a great move. It's anyway. Coffin drop. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Well, the coffee drop's awful. Not it's also not as but anyway. I don't yeah. care. So the entire buildup of this match is that this is Kofi Kingston's first ever one-on-one opportunity for a world title. Okay. So of course, New Day are walking him to the ring. Crowd are going crazy. And then they pan to the back. Because apparently, the WWE locker room is waiting with bated breath. They have to watch this match on the monitor. Really? Really? Was it that momentous of an occasion for Kofi Kingston to get a world title match? 
To them, it was clearly. Okay. Oh, and also they showed the uh, they showed the camera view of how to unnaturally watch TV with it at the side, being like, "Yeah, I know I'm doing a visual gag right now for Jorge, but yeah." I do hate that visual. I really yeah, do. It's, Still it's, hate it. They do it for the they do it for the interviewers backstage and God. It's anyway, not how people watch matches. Anyway, the Planet's Champion came out. The new Daniel Bryan, flanked by his uh, his Protector. intellectual uh, his his intellectual equal, uh, that being yes. Rowan. Shout out to Rowan. Before he had fake spiders and before he showed up on AEW because he wasn't employed. Um, okay, I said I was going to be fair, so yeah, here it is. Yeah. I'm going to be fair. Okay. The story of the match is that Daniel Bryan was the better wrestler. The story of the match is that Kofi Kingston was going to be beaten and beaten and beaten, and he was going to get up and persevere through everything Daniel Bryan had going his way. Okay? Daniel Bryan basically worked 70% of this match. Kofi Kingston's offense was comebacks, reversals, or getting quick offense in against Daniel Bryan because of a counter move that he would do out of it. Okay. Well, Ross, you like plenty of people that their entire offense is based off a comeback. You're right. You are right. However, when you are telling me that the moment is important, it makes it less important. Okay. I understand that the movement of Kofi Mania and Kofi Kingston's run to becoming a quote unquote main eventer, which I still never bought into, was organic, so to speak. Just let the moment speak for itself. Oh, and by the way, Byron Saxton, horrendous on commentary. Yeah, let's just kiss the guy's ass for 20 minutes. Oh, he was such a nice guy. He deserves a world title. He was so nice to me. Come on, Kofi, you can beat him. You know, because he's supposed to be an equal, even though he's not treated like an equal throughout the entire freaking match. And then Kofi Kingston beats him out of nowhere. So, was the work and the story they wanted to tell appropriate for the match that they gave us? Sure. Still doesn't change my mind about it. Still doesn't. Okay. So, so if you're telling me that I rewatched that match and re and it and just, it just had me appreciate the work of Daniel Bryan more. You're absolutely correct. Daniel Bryan was a G in this match. Mm. doesn't change my mind about Kofi doesn't change my mind about his work doesn't change my mind about him not being a vain eventer doesn't okay. change my mind about anything with that match or the fallout of it and he was the champion for too long and thank god Brock Lesnar squashed him in 8 seconds and he's nowhere sniffed the world title ever since because he's a mid-carder 
Okay. Well, I mean, the whole purpose of this was to make what was not necessarily to go ahead and change your mind on Kofi Mania. I, I don't think I'll ever change your mind on that. And that's then that's fine. I, I, you know, I would never try to change your mind on that. I just I remember when we reviewed WrestleMania 35, it was a long night. First of all, that was a long pay-per-view. So obviously there were some booking decisions that were strong. There were some booking decisions that were not necessarily strong. You thinking Kofi going over on DB was not the best was the most logical thing to you. That's fair. But I wanted my, my entire purpose of this was because when we first watched it, you, I could almost tell that you were so unenamored with Kofi mania that you chose not to view the work rate of the match. And I wanted you to at least go back and appreciate the work rate. Now, I think that you're selling Kofi a little bit short in this match because now let me be very clear. Daniel Bryan this is Daniel Bryan's match and Kofi's his dance partner, not it's Kofi's match and DB is his dance partner, right? So what I'm trying to say is, yes, 100% DB set the pace for this match. He was the in-ring general and he was taking Kofi along for the ride. But that shouldn't take away from the fact that Kofi, to me, this was Kofi's probably his best one-on-one -on -one match of his entire career. Now, of course, you use that and you, you know, it's, it's of course... It's his WWE championship opportunity. Of course, he's going to go ahead and go to town on this, and it's going to be his best ever performance. But that's not always the case because there's plenty of guys who have had great matches, but their best match was not their defining match, if you know what, if that makes any sense. Like their first ever match, if, if they're like a small amount of time winning world champion, that their best match is not that. Right. And Kofi's was. And that's very cool. I would tell you that I don't think that Kofi's win came out of nowhere, per se, because Kofi was able to reverse the LaBelle lock and able to reverse the stops that Daniel Bryan was doing to his face by holding his down his arm. You know, the, the ones that are supposed to give you the concussion, what like he took out AJ with and whatnot. So Kofi does that to DB. He reverses it because that was the staple of what Daniel Bryan had done to him all night long, that and work his shoulder. So it was to the point where, D, where, where Bryan was loopy and he was done for, and it was like just one last move. So I don't think it necessarily came out of nowhere because there was a buildup of those last two to three minutes worth that Kofi finally got in the licks that he needed to get before he could go ahead and hit Trouble in Paradise. And he finally does, and he's able to get the one, two, three on him. So I understand your perception of Kofi Mania not being your taste, but if you ask me and how I would go ahead and give the percentage-wise of the match, yes, Daniel Bryan ran the pace. He was the in-ring general, but I don't think it was a 70-30 split. I'd, man, I'd more say it was more 55-45 to me. But I rewatched the match. Um it was still as strong as I remember it being. Yes, there were some couple of aspects of this match where here, – here's one thing that irritated me about it, Ross, um, that completely broke the broke kayfabe for a second. I didn't necessarily – I didn't – it doesn't make me appreciate it anymore. Um, the, the WWE title being under the robe. Now, I could understand if Kofi – excuse me, if Biggie and X – brought a WWE championship, but it doesn't have Kofi's plates on it yet because they brought it. It's like, yo, if he wins, we want to present him with the real one. Okay, bring that out. But then don't put Kofi's plates on it because it then, to me, it completely breaks the 
the kayfabe reality that Kofi was booked to win this match. Because if you if you watch, Biggie grabs the title, it's got the Kofi plates on it. It's like, well, then what the hell? No, you're you're literally telling us that this was predetermined, WWE. That's a that's a small thing. That's a small detail, but major at the same time. That watching it two years later, essentially, I didn't remember them doing, and I thought that was kind of dumb. I'm okay with them bringing out the real WWE title, but the real WWE title shouldn't have any plates on it, or it should have Daniel Bryan's plates on it still from when he originally beat AJ Styles in November. That's what it should be. So, All right, other so than that, yeah. In, in the future, and by the way, I accepted your challenge, and maybe this is something we'll do going forward with mm-hmm. maybe, like, I pick a match for you to watch. I think... And I knew you were going to do this because it's a, it's something you wanted to do. In the future, you probably need to pick a match that I am not emotionally already decided about. Yeah, no, that's and that's fair. Because um, again, I, I was yeah. fair, and mm-hmm. I made sure that I watched different aspects of the work, which is what you really wanted me to look at, which is fine. I still think his best match as WWE champion was the cage match against Dolph Ziggler. That's that that's my opinion. That's fair. I um, and 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 in reality, my argument against that is Kofi wasn't the WWE champion. He was the challenger. But I obviously, you mean overall as the run of Kofi Mania, you still think that the steel cage match with Ziggler was better than the match with Brian at WrestleMania? Is what I'm understanding. Wait, wait, wait. He wasn't the champion when he escaped the cage against Ziggler. No, he was, but you, you're saying yeah. that his best match is WWE champion, but you compare it to this one. I'm just wanting to make sure that do you include this match of Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston in that threshold as well? Because okay. that one- Okay, okay. Let me l- let me clarify so that you or anybody else is not confused. Sure. His time as a quote unquote main eventer around the championship is that match. I don't have any cool. distinction of him being a challenger for a belt that he did one time and then he was the champion for for whatever it was. Six eight months. months, six months, whatever it was. Yeah. Six months too long. Anyway. All right. So I was challenged and uh you delivered, you my friend. There's, you there's the analysis. So and to be fair, I did rewatch Daniel Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles a couple of weeks ago. We discussed that. Go check that out in our library. It's pretty good. I did change my mind somewhat on that match and you know, there you go. Uh, you, hey, I appreciate you doing it, buddy. I really do. All right. So we only have a couple things left to do. So now it is my time to reveal the thing that I said I was going to hide from Mr. J-Man all week. So as everybody knows, we are doing predictions again for 2021. And right off the top, Jorge came in guns blazing. He's like, Ross, if you lose... Not only do you have to make a TikTok, you have to be active on it. Okay. And he asked for my rebuttal right then and there. And I said, well, I didn't know you were going to challenge me like that. You got to give me a little bit of time to really think about this. Because if I'm getting a TikTok that I have to be active on, I take it I have to be active on it for the rest of this podcast. Or is it for a year? You you didn't specify. I'm oh, guessing yeah. it's for... No, 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 no. I'm guessing it's for a year... Yeah. Because the next year we'd have something be, new. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it'll so it'll be me being active on a TikTok for a year. Correct. And I'll tell you what, you can even delete it after that 12 month time frame if you so choose if you lose. 
All right. So I thought long and I thought hard about something that I was going to make you do. And I'm going to be specific with what you do when you lose, because you will lose, my friend. My, my man, that's, those are some fighting words, but carry on. <laughs> so what I came down to is if you lose the picks for 2021, you, sir, will be watching every single episode of WCW Nitro from the year 2000 and giving me reports every week. I hate you so much. And and here's my caveat. One, you have to give me a report of big things that happened on the show, what you mm-hmm. thought of the show, mm-hmm. what made it great and what made it bad, all that good stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. And on weeks where it's best of episodes, oh no, you don't get out of those. You get to tell me what those episodes are, and I get to replace them with something else from WCW. Whether it's that week's Thunder or some other match or something else that I want you to comment on. Okay. But it's but it's WCW 2000. All right. Let me ask you a question. Does this include also having to watch the pay-per-views that went along? No, 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 no. Okay. So just the Nitros. But, but every week, it's a segment yeah. on the show. I ask uh-huh. you about that week's Nitro. You just watch them in order. So, okay. so on top of you prepping for the show, you got to okay. watch that week's Nitro from WCW. And... We'll track it because, of course, you can watch it on the network. I will know if you're trying to get out of a week where there's a best of show. I will know. <laughs> well, actually, we'll hold off for one second because no, because remember once because once the network switches over to Peacock, unless we're going to have the same account on Peacock, <laughs> that's fine. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Fine. You want to you want to play games? You want to play hey. games, Roswell? Hey. hey. All, right. All right. All right. I'll give it to you, buddy. I'll give it to you. Fine. You win. I will watch every WCW Nitro. Nitro from 2000. From 2000. And if there's a best of episode, I will then either re- you will you you will replace it for me with either WCW Thunder or if you so choose for me to watch a pay-per-view from the year 2000. I would much rather watch WCW 2000 than watching it from 95 and up. That would be a crap. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now. My original thought was for you to watch the Vince Russo WCW era, but that would include an extra three months in 99 and the last three months in 2001. So that would, would have been, so that yeah. would have been 18 months of nitros instead of 12. If so, you made me do that, if you made me do that, <laughs> I'd get in my Kia Sedona minivan. I would drive to wherever the hell Vince Russo lives, which I think he lives in Florida, but I don't know. I'd drive over there. I'd spend the night over at freaking Matt and Jenny's house from Wrestling with mm. Respect, even though they probably don't even know that I'm telling them this right now. I would spend the night over there and go the next day and slap Vince Russo for giving me that stupid content for as long as he did. But since you're not making me do that, and I thank you, I'll take WCW 2000, even though I'm telling you this right now. I do not believe you're going to win this year. I don't. Also, I, also. My third option was making you review every one of Jeff Gerald's world title wins. I would hate you for that. Because <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you think Kofi Kingston is not a main eventer, Jeff Jarrett was not a main eventer. He literally made a wrestling company so he could be a main eventer in it. Now, that being said, so did Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, but at least 
at least they're relatively good at their job. More Kenny Omega than the Bucks are, but whatever. By the way, can I just a, a quick caveat? Quickly. What the hell is Jake Roberts doing in the wrestling ring? Why was he? Why did he get involved in the main event la, uh, last night? Well, he's he's Lance Archer's manager. No, no, I, I understand that. I know that. It's like, why did Tony Khan let him get in that match? Uh, why is why is why is Arn Anderson the coach for Cody Rhodes? I don't know either. That's a great question. But at least Arn Anderson can still hit the spine buster really, really where excuse me, really well. Jake Roberts, I don't know what he was doing last night. It didn't look good. And Gallows and Anderson, God bless them. They just were trying to do something with Jake Snake, and it just didn't look that good. Other you than that, what? that match is still fire. You know what? You know what? You know what Gallows and Anderson are? Go ahead. You know what they are? They Nerds. are the omen in the sky. Oh, okay. I mean, they can do that too. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah. By the way, I gotta I gotta say this right now. Luke Gallows is looking yoked right now. Him and uh, Carl Anderson, they got yes. ripped after they left WWE. Not saying that they weren't ripped in WWE because they very much were, but you can definitely tell that they have changed their workout regimen for the better. They look insane right now. In the same way that Carlito looked incredible, but they are looking absolutely amazing. Shout out to Carl Anderson. I saw that cutter. I saw that cutter that he pulled off last night. That was that was that was nice. Really see, nice. See, see, cutters, cutters are uh, are a move that uh, can be can be easily duplicated. However, however, make no mistake about it. As I zoom in here, there's only one person that does the stunner, and his name is Stone Cold Steve Austin. And there's only one man that does the diamond cutter, and that's Diamond Dallas Page. That being said, next week's show, Elimination Chamber Preview and Prediction Show. What an event that's going to be. I'm looking forward um, to that. Huh? I'm looking forward to it. Yes. So, um, of course, Preview and Prediction Show. Next week, we then will have our review show mm-hmm. the following week. And then, uh, is there another pay-per-view between Chamber and WrestleMania or not? Yes. Fastlane is supposed so Fastlane is supposedly in the pipeline. I think okay. it is. Okay. Well. Yeah. What if it's what if it's what it's the what if it's the end of the line roadblock, or whatever yeah. that dumb name for that pay per view was that involved roadblock involved, in the line. It, 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 okay, I said end of the line roadblock. It was yeah. roadblock end of the line. Was that that was, was that that awful WWE title match between your boy Triple H and uh, Dean Ambrose? No, it was not. That was just roadblock. Roadblock end of the line happened later on at the end of the year. Oh, and it was the one my. that had Charlotte versus Sasha Banks in a 30-minute woman, 30-minute Iron Worm match. And I think that the main event of that show, Roadblock end of the line, I cannot remember what the main event of that show was. It would have okay. been 2016. I can't. The point is, it's a dumb name. They really shouldn't have. Actually, I would make the argument that they shouldn't do a pay-per-view between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania anyway, yes. but I don't run that company, so I don't care. Yeah. Um, as per usual, we we cover all WWE pay-per-views on this uh, on this show. So the next one's Elimination Chamber. We'll go over. We will go over the full card, as of course uh, SmackDown is uh, probably by the time you're listening to this, already aired, or yes. is about to air. Either way, um, they've been doing some good stuff over on SmackDown. Look, uh, 
there's there's some good stuff going on on SmackDown and on Raw. I mean, I don't, need to, I, I don't need to beat the drum to death that Raw just needs to be two hours, and until that changes, I'm probably going to dislike most of Raw. Um, and there are things on SmackDown that are fine. Can we please just not have Roman Reigns cut the promo he cut last week, please? He's been doing so well, too. He's been doing so well. Just let, let him continue to work with Paul. And by the way, uh, speaking of Roman Reigns, it was Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns in a singles match for the Universal title as the main event of Roadblock ended the line in December of 2016. Hey, guess what? They're probably going to wrestle each other again at uh, Elimination Chamber. Because why not? Because, you know, because, you know, Roman was handcuffed and couldn't make the 10 count, but it wasn't the finish. So they had to schmoz their way out of that. Yeah, it's great. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, Sheamus, who looked like he was going to get a one on one title match at Elimination Chamber. Not going to happen. Now he has to fight five other guys. By the way, Sheamus should be pissed, even though he really didn't earn his title shot. He he is pissed. He absolutely was at the end of Monday Night Raw. He was heated. That's why he caused a disqualification with with. uh... And to, be, and to be totally honest with you, I'm I'm actually shocked given the way the WWE books. I'm shocked that Bad Bunny is not in the Elimination Chamber. Why not? He's such a whatever. Who, who cares? Who cares? He's actually been the top seller of merch on WWE.com the last you know what few I, weeks running. You know what I say to I'm that? I'm just telling you. I'm just telling hey, that, you. Hey, hey, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Hey, listen. You, you know how I know it's making a difference when our when my old homie Ilse that we used to work with over in Tucson. She's, uh-huh. she's, wor- she's working at one of the radio stations in Tucson. Shout out to her. She's even posting about bad money being in WWE. That's because- how you know that that's it's working. Okay. Yeah. Popular culture. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> hey, it's a thing. It's great. Man. It's great. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, so that is our show. Everybody. Is our show. It, uh, it was a blast from the past. Hopefully we'll get to do more of these. Maybe after WrestleMania season, actually. Hey, we might be, even uh, be able to squeeze one in, squeeze one more in before WrestleMania. I know we've got a full lineup of stuff in the next like month and a half, but I think we might be. I, I'll, I'll take a look at the schedule. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, like I said, that is going to do it. And actually, you know what? I have not done. I have not plugged where everybody can listen to our shows yet. So I will do but, that okay. now. The Double Turn Podcast, it's a wrestling podcast. You can find it on one of our many platforms, that being Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and the Anchor app. You can find us on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast, the one and only J-Man 19. Ross the Robots 85 is where you can find us on Instagram. We like to collaborate with different shows. If you want to be on our show and you're a podcast that's out there, hit up Jorge. We'll make a discussion. We'll make a decision as to what to do. Uh, we do like to uh, collaborate with other shows. I'm not speaking on uh, specifically anybody at the moment, but yeah. um, we do like to do collaborations with other people. So if you've got ideas, yeah. uh, if you are interested in that, uh, just hit up mainly Jorge, but you can also hit me up again on the Instagram pages that I listed, the Double Turn Podcast or the one and only J-Man 19 lost the real yeah, boss. We got two, we got, we got two collabs coming in the next month and a half. I'm, uh, we're really stoked for that. So that should be a lot of fun. There you go. So that is going to do it for this week's episode of the double turn podcast with the J-Man. I'm boss Ross. And we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>